Hello and welcome to the Full of Beans podcast, hosted by myself, Hannah Hickenbotham. Throughout these podcast episodes, we will speak to a range of individuals about their experience of eating disorders, with the aim of increasing awareness and understanding, whilst reducing stigma and isolation. Please note that the topics discussed in this podcast may be triggering for some individuals, so tread lightly, check in with yourself and reflect on these conversations. Hello everybody, um, we have a bit of a different episode for you today. I am joined by my best friend in the world, George Mycock from Maya Minds, and today is our 100th episode. Um, so it's a very exciting day. It's also my birthday this week, so the timing is perfect, and I'm a big birthday fan, so obviously going to have to do something good. So hello George. Hey, Anna. Uh, it still makes me laugh every time I hear someone pronounce my last name on some kind of recording. There's always that second of of like, oh, how am I going to say this? How am I going to say this? this the, yeah, you did it well. You did it well. Normally there's a, there's a slight pause between the my and the cock and everyone kind of ventures uh, yeah, it, but you did it, you did it very well. Um, but yeah, happy birthday. It's your birthday week. You. We're technically technically not right now, but it will be when it comes out through the magic of podcasting. It's just like a classic kind of move to be like, right, then I'm having what a month and 12 days of birthday. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you're all your your birthday. Yeah. Officially starts now yeah. because you've done the birthday podcast. So if anyone yeah. tries to claim that it's not your birthday can be like, well, I have actually <laughs> officially recorded the birthday pod. So that is true. I do mm. have, we do have Christmas before that. And I'm also getting topaz before that. So I've got two like nice well one is nice I'm just gonna say Christmas is nice and the other is freaking best day of my life it's gonna be the best <laughs> thing ever um just for everybody listening I'm getting a cat and it's gonna be called Topaz so maybe not pictures of Topaz what, cat, what kind of cat I'm gonna say you've sent me some pictures what kind of cat is is Topaz Topaz is a gray no a blue Serbian um so their the long name is like Serbian forest cat uh, but they just they kind of look like ragdolls. Um, a lot of people have been like, oh, you're getting a ragdoll. Um, and they have a very similar temperament as well. So like super cuddly, just kind of like flop when you pick them up. Like they don't really do anything other than snuggle, which is what I need from a cat. It's going to be amazing. Isn't that, isn't that amazing that we like managed to breed animals that just like love to snuggle? Like, isn't that the most yeah. human thing ever? <laughs> just like, yeah. we'll, just, we'll just create this animal that wants to hug us. Yeah. <laughs> but also, if I was to design a cat based on me, I mm. genuinely don't think like sparkly blue eyes, fluffy, and just wants to hug everyone. Like I don't think that I could make a more kind of cat. If they I could have it. made it. You could well, you could dye it for like a rainbow. Oh color. yeah, that's then it would be more you. But that may also be quite cruel to the cat. So you know, <laughs> yeah, and like ruin his fur. Amazing. I'm not much of a cat person, so. You know, definitely I, a dog. I, you do well, have the best dog in the whole entire world. So. Yeah, I do. Best two dogs in the whole entire world. Now. Oh well, I haven't yeah. met Dolly yet, so you I haven't. Can't... You haven't. But yeah, Dolly's Dolly's now become for people listening at home. I have two dogs. I have a dog called Millie, who is the 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 greatest dog. She's yeah. the most like soft and lovely and kind and she also doesn't lick you she just sniffs you so she'll go like as close to your face as like you could ever could like within atoms but not quite touching you and she'll just sniff you so even if you don't like dogs and for a lot of people who don't like dogs actually really like her because she doesn't actually like touch you she just comes yeah. really really close to you 
Um, but if you like, try, so if you like, tried to like kiss her back, she moves away. And then I've got Dolly, who's the the exact opposite, who just wants to like lick everyone and everything. And yeah, she's got these massive like, but we call her buggy because her eyes look like they're gonna like <laughs> pop out of her head. She she's a she's like a cavapoo, cavapoo Sean. So she's got like little tiny legs. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, we're going very off topic here. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> this, this is very us. <laughs> yes, it is very yeah. standard. Uh- the first episode. No, episodes first, didn't we? And then we did our um that was based on a hundred. That was a hundred. Well. We did a hundred questions. Yeah, we both I love we both of us had the exact same moment there. <laughs> I saw I saw your face take it and my brain took it at the exact same time. We went, oh, 100 oh is my god. <laughs> so oh, when you when you do your one hundred thousandth episode of Full of Beans, I expect to be on that as well. When we're both like sixty. Oh, how yeah. long would that take someone do the math someone 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 listening in do the maths please but yeah now we've sorted out like everybody knows who our pets are that's great um yeah. given the inside scoop yeah that was on that was on the list of things to discuss yeah today, i can absolutely. i can mark off the first question now um yeah so i think maybe basically the reason i wanted to do this episode i'll kind of base that for is um been very open about it on the podcast but um unfortunately like I have experienced a relapse and I don't think that I mean I've not really come across any resources or sort of people speaking out about experiencing a relapse kind of what it's like and for me it's very different to when I had my eating sort of the first time um so I wanted to sort of speak about that um but that's a bit sad so I also wanted to talk about things I've learned from the 100 episodes um you know why I'm still doing it and yeah then to talk a bit maybe if we have time about sort of plans going forward maybe not like my 26 year goals because you know we all know that when you set goals and I I don't know I personally never stick to them um but maybe hopes for the future and hopes for full of beans and stuff like that so I'm gonna hand it over to you yeah let's do it I mean I feel this like immense amount of pressure to suddenly no. take over this you know take over this responsibility and um, so I'm going to do my very best um but yeah so I, I guess uh, yeah I guess the best way to start this off with this being the 100th episode and kind of wiggling our way into it is 100 episodes a lot of episodes that's triple figures yeah. Um, that's a big old, big old list of people you've spoken to. Each one's, you know, half an hour to an hour. Sometimes maybe a yeah. bit over. Like that's a, that's a lot of conversations. Um, well, is there any kind of main lessons or anything that you've taken from your one hundred episodes? Like big things that stand out to you? I mean, I think the thing that I've learned about myself from mm. the one hundred episodes is there is nothing that gets me happier than speaking to other people you know like when everybody that comes on has their own sort of passions their own interests and that sort of thing and this is actually a really good learning uh learning curve for me in like my career as well because I was very set on wanting to do a PhD um but I could never really pin down like what is it really that interests me like you know I know I'm interested in eating disorders I've done my master's I've worked there blah 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 but what is it like what subject is it that I really enjoy and I realized that I don't have like a specific interest but what I love is kind of knowing a little about a lot and really kind of understanding so much and having somebody come along that's you know very passionate about something 
teaching me about it and then me sort of taking what I want from it and then going and doing a bit more research if I want to um, and I think it's been a really good learning curve because for so long I was like I have to have my one thing that I know everything about um, and actually you know eating disorders is quite a niche subject anyway so knowing a lot about eating disorders or knowing a lot about like different things mental health associated and stuff like that that is that's still quite niche so my one thing is you know being able to take maybe complex things that people don't have access to creating that conversation that means that we can chat about it I can engage and then other people can listen and learn in that way because not everyone is going to want to go and read a paper on something but you know like we had Dr. Jamie Fusner on a few weeks ago. That episode was incredible, but there's no way that all of the stuff that he kind of spoke about, everybody would have the access or the ability to go and find that about that. But hopefully, by me sort of asking the questions I was interested in, I was then able to be like, you know, to be able to help other people learn um, in different format to just a paper or reading it online. I think that's the thing I've kind of found out about myself the most is. I just love chatting and love communicating and really get things across. Well, I mean, I could I could have told you that you love chatting to people, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but no, I think I think that's really important, isn't it? I think uh, especially as you kind of as we get to kind of the age that that we're at and that you're at today, well, not not well, not technically, um, but at twenty six, um, I think or those kind of like early 20s, I think when you're a kid, you're um, often told by older people that what you should become mm -hmm. and you're you're kind of convinced by all these all these wonderful older people who you're certain have it nailed down and understand what life is about, the kind of paths that you should go down. And then you start to create this image of what your life path should look like and what the correct steps are up that staircase that you're supposed to be, you're supposed to be taking. Yeah. And I think there's there's so much power in, recognizing that that's all bullshit <laughs> and yeah. you know, the, the, it, none of it's true and there's a uh, a really amazing philosopher that I love called Viktor Frankl and I've probably told you about this a million times so I'm going to apologize but for the people who haven't listened uh, yeah. Viktor Frankl's a, a philosopher and a, I think he was either a psychiatrist or a psychologist um, and he talks about how the the meaning of life is about being able to recognize or deal with the fact that we have an inability to rationalize the meaninglessness of it and that sounds quite dreary and down but i'm going to explain how i how i um, read that and how i actually think it's beautiful and that what i take of that is that we all attempt to rationalize life in a way um, and we're all wrong and the beauty of that is you don't have to be right mm -hmm. um and and actually these people who tell you you need to do a PhD or you need to have a, a certain letters behind your name where you have to have a certain amount of money coming in or a certain amount of whatever, they've got it wrong equally as the people who tell you that you shouldn't do any of that stuff. We're all wrong. And it's just about you and about what you want. Yeah. And, and that's where that discovery of yourself comes in and such a, such a powerful tool. And I think one of the beautiful things of doing a podcast, because I, I do a podcast myself, um, is you get this platform where I think the, the best thing, and I'm sure you have this similar thoughts is you become comfortable with being yourself uh, in like difficult or um, in situations where people are listening to you and, and people are, you're being recorded and you have to 
you know, we're trying to articulate ourselves in a way that other people will listen and other people will find interest in, but also being yourself in that situation mm. is so hard. And anyone who's listened to this, if you've ever, if you've ever done public speaking or you've ever been recorded doing a conversation, you'll know that you, you re-record it like six times because you're like, yeah. oh, I don't want to say that or I can't do that. And you, you, you're constantly manipulating yourself. And to get to the point where we can just be ourselves yeah. and be confident in that, that allows you to then be confident in making decisions for yourself as well. And maybe that's yeah. what's happened there or that you're part of it. Mm. That's such a good point. I've never really thought about that. Like when we do a podcast like I I never re-record anything I just kind of you know say what's on my mind and sometimes I listen back I'm like oh what on earth was that but then other times (laughs) I'm like that was so inspiring or like but I'm not kind of worried about what I say and Mm. I think that you know doing the podcast has definitely given me so much confidence in in everyday life of kind of you know just being able to talk openly about things and that's something I've noticed recently is had a lot of people message me like you know it's so brave what you're talking about and thank you so much and I, I get that and I get that not everybody's in the situation but they can know if you talk about it but I'm like why are you kind of saying that that is like a good thing because it's just natural now after talking about it for for so long but also what we were saying about Victor Frankl when you first told me that um I remember thinking like that is just so miserable. <laughs> like, like genuinely, I was like, I actually hate that George in my head. I didn't want to say it because I wanted to give myself time to process. But I was like, if everything's meaningless, then what the hell is the point? But then the way that I sort of rationalised it in my head was that if everything is meaningless, then it means that you know when you're when you're sad, that's that's how you're feeling right now. But that's not going to last forever because it 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 it's meaningless. But mm. then also when you're happy. It, I think it just allows you to like balance things and see them as being more in the moment and more present mm. because what you're doing right now does have an impact. Like I'm not going to say that what you're doing right now won't have an impact on your future, but I think we put so much pressure on very specific, like big things, you know, like I can't think of an example, but like a big yeah. thing you think, okay, this is mm. going to change my life or whatever. Like getting Maybe, a like, job, getting a certain yeah. job. Yeah. yeah brilliant example especially for me <laughs> getting a new job my I didn't want to say anything <laughs> serial jobber over here um, <laughs> but actually and this is what I've sort of been thinking about in recovery as well is that it's not the big things that make a difference it's the little mm. things and I think for me going back to what I was saying about connection like the like small interactions in the day-to-day of you know whether it's with somebody like a friend or someone in a shop or whatever they're what actually means something to me so with the Victor Frankl thing I don't think that everything is meaningless scheme of the universe like you are just like a pinprick so yeah it's probably but in your life maybe not but like the things that we maybe quantify as like being the big successful things are not and the things mm. that are sort of like oh you know that's just it whatever actually are the things that make well for me anyway the happiest mm-hmm. um and the, the, be- the beauty of frankel's message is that you know he's saying that we're all wrong so mm. he's also agreeing that he's wrong like that, the, the the idea of life being meaningless is also equally as wrong as the people yeah. <laughs> you know, that that's the beauty of it is none of it's none of it's right and there's no way we'll ever know if any of it's right like we just we won't understand it so it's just finding one that so you know for, for me seeing life as as like this kind of meaningless thing that i might as well just enjoy and do things that i think are good and important and, and things to me helps me but for a lot of people it might be 
that actually finding so much meaning in life and meaning and life being so important can be brilliant for them. And that's that's the way they rationalize it. And that if that works for them, that's fantastic. They're equally as wrong as I am. And every, all of us are. Um, and that's that, I think that's that's part of it. And that's kind of, kind of part of the beauty of the the message overall. Yeah, it, that makes me think about like when people talk about self-care and stuff um obviously like everything in life is going to be different for everybody but I think you know especially when we're talking about like recovery and stuff on the podcast like for me I know that you have said so many times like journaling is something that really works for you journaling for me just does not it just makes me more anxious or more nervous like getting it down to paper I'm like oh I'm going to reread this a thousand times um maybe I maybe I shouldn't do that but um whereas I know that I told you a couple of weeks ago like putting it into an excel spreadsheet that is like you know here's the point and then you answer that and that has worked so much more for me but I find you know maybe journaling doesn't work but just talking ringing somebody and talking to them talking it through that's perfect for me but for other people you know having to go to the kind of you know phone to ring somebody to then feel like you're putting them out like that might be something that's really uncomfortable so I think recovery and life in itself everything is so different for everybody that we can't just say, you know, this is what works for me, therefore this is what's going to work for you. Um, mm. And I think especially, you know, the last few months and stuff, I've really realised that in terms of you just got to approach it the best way that you see fit for you. And it's going to be, you're going to try some things and think that was a load of bollocks. And then you'll try mm. other things and think, wow, that was actually really good. Um, but yeah, it's so much trial and error, which is I find really bloody annoying because we'll probably get to ninety and be like, oh, I wish I knew that when I was, you know, now I sit here and I'm like, Oh, I wish I knew what I know now when I was fourteen and whatever. Which is never gonna happen. But I guess that's the whole process of discovering yourself and finding all <laughs> and all that whole woo-woo. <laughs> yeah, and it's one of the it's I guess it's one of the beautiful but also most frustrating things about life is I yeah. think we so many times you see these things of like you know, here's the wisdom of this 90 year old man or woman who who's lived all these years and they think you should do this this and this and then and then you know but for you that wouldn't work it's like those those like people who are like this is maybe a, a metaphor it doesn't quite work for those people that are like 130 and then they they say oh i smoke cigarettes my entire life and i eat a bacon sandwich every morning yeah. or whatever and then they're like so that's the key to to living to be 130 and it's like well it's not because it's everything's individual and yeah, that's beautiful yeah. because you know i think yeah the 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 thing the pathway through life that's that's potentially the best again probably wrong but is to figure out yourself and to kind of dive into yourself and and, and part of that as well is finding the path that uh, is best suited for you to dive into yourself mm. so for me yeah writing things down is a massive part of of what helps me figure out myself and for you you hate it yeah um but yeah, I think that's kind of the key, isn't it? Is figuring out what works for you and also figuring out what you actually want and what you actually mm. like, yeah, what actually works for you and makes you feel good. I think it's um, just it's just about which this is gonna sound so simple when I say it. Getting rid of stress and making things more happy. Because like maybe the person that has cigarettes every day and a bacon sandwich every morning for breakfast. Maybe they're just that makes that's what makes them super happy. They're probably quite mm. lucky as well that they could do that um, and and be fine. But yeah, I think stressed people shorten your lifespan by stress. So well, there's, there's, um, sorted life. 
Well, there's uh, I don't know if you've read any of um Gabba Mate's stuff. He's like a I think he's a psychiatrist as well. Uh, but he talks a lot about trauma and about like big traumas and little trauma and how that affects our health. And he talks a lot about that, about the idea that um stress and um kind of yeah, experiencing different difficulties actually seems to link very strongly to different physiological and psychological issues. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even like your heart health and your lung health and and, and different like, you know, um, other physiological diseases and, and, you know, immune system complications and all that kind of stuff. So many of them link to stress. And if actually, mm-hmm. if you can reduce yeah. stress and reduce that kind of negative emotion, it seems to have an impact. So I, yeah, should get him on. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah he's really cool the way that I kind of see stress show up for me is my IBS gets so bad and I'm like Mm. you know how is that how is that possible that um me just being slightly stressed I'm now like I've got these physical symptoms of it and then when you actually stop to think about it um I mm, I don't know whether it'll be out or not but I did a podcast the other day with Emily Andrew about EFT and we did some tapping and just taking two seconds to think about it and actually we spoke about this um with Rory Brown as well which I think is going to be episode 101 so that'll be next week's episode he was like just notice like how you're sitting and how tense you are and I was like oh my god my whole body is screaming stress and I was just not completely unaware of it because it's just how I always am so Mm. yeah I think you can go along being so unaware of it and then all of a sudden you realize you're like I need it Mm. well there's that there's that whole like it's not something i've read much into and i, I do kind of want to but there's that you know there's these whole this whole area of conversation and literature of, of that the connection between the mind and the body and mm. you know people talk about it in yoga a lot and how much that these that kind of connections come come through and i think it's way more complicated than we actually think and yeah, yeah i think that it, i was doing a training day at work yesterday and we we had a guy come in and talk about posture and how you know the the way that you sit can affect the you know affect different things and um yeah I think I do think that you you always hear about those power poses don't you where like if you Mm -hmm. stand in with your hands on your hips and stuff then you can release certain chemicals in your brain stuff like that's just amazing like you know yeah we're just a we're just like a a big sea of atoms but if you arrange your atoms in a certain way then suddenly yeah. you start feeling a different like just <laughs> so ridiculous like it makes no sense but it just shows how like complicated and I just think it's silly but like it's great yeah. like it's a nice silly but it's just like <laughs> it just it's so silly that this is the way things work um but also so interesting and yeah I want to ask another question about this because mm-hmm. um and this might be a, a tough question um at least if because i didn't um run it by you beforehand um what do you think doing these 100 episodes what do you think it's learned or helped you learn about others because i have some reflections on i haven't done 100 episodes but some thoughts about what i've learned about other people from doing mm-hmm. these things but i was wondering what your your thoughts were i think the kind of thing that comes to my mind like most quickly and I don't know, this feels like an obvious answer, but this is what came to my mind, is how different we all are. Like, I know that mm. sounds really stupid because obviously we are all different, but I think... Not stupid. The 100 episodes, like, it's made me realise not only are we all different, but, like, we're all navigating different things. And, you know, I'll I'll have somebody come on and do a podcast about, I don't know, like, 
um, autism and and any eating disorders. Um, and then you think about like the different challenges that those people will face. But then you talk to somebody else and they've got their own challenges as well. And I think it's just made me realise how like versatile and I don't want to use the word like not strong like resilient we all are because Mm. we're all going through so much but we still all turn up kind of every day and I just find that so fascinating when you but it's like what I was saying earlier about the fact that I love speaking to different people and finding their interests like there's nothing that gets me more hyped than when I meet someone new and I'm like finding out you know what their quirks are and, and what their interests are and I think that's why I love doing the podcast so much because when you see someone like glow when they're talking yeah. about something like I remember doing the podcast with you and we were talking about like disordered um eating and and like excessive exercise and muscle dysmorphia and you just like radiated like I still specifically remember that so much and it's yeah like you just I could see you like beaming because it was something you were so interested in and like you knew so much about it and and that's just so lovely when you see somebody so like into something and just wanting to share what they know with you like I think that's such a mm-hmm. lovely connection when somebody is like not trusting enough but like you know wants to give that information to you as well something that makes them so happy they want to kind of pass that on to you yeah uh, yeah I love that I think that's so yeah we all we all have that kind of passion I think everyone has something like that and um I think one of the things that I guess something that's transferred for me is not necessarily something that's happened on the podcasts because they're often coming to talk about a certain subject so they're like ready to do it but I think because I've because I've always speaking to people who are so passionate about stuff I've started talking to people like in my normal life about Mm, and trying to ask them what they're passionate about and so many people often struggle to come come up with something and then we kind of dig I like kind of ask them about different things and we dig in and we find something and I think so many people like don't um including myself and in, in, in certain things we don't I, th- I feel like we don't let ourselves like embrace our passions and I think part of it's that story thing we were talking about before where like you know when you get older you have to kind of recognize that all all these steps that people tell you you're supposed to take are bullshit and then you like I feel like so many people don't don't like embrace those things and when you let someone do it which is what is beautiful about a podcast because you let someone you let someone identify the thing that they want to be they're passionate about and want to speak about and then you give them like a time where they're gonna have an hour to two hours where they get to just go off on it and that's what's that's what we see isn't it is that beautiful moment of where they there's always a little bit of hesitancy at the start but then the ball rolls and suddenly just like hurtling down this hill together and they're just like popping off left right and center (laughs) you know it's like it's so amazing to watch that happen and I think me and you both have that you know we both Mm -hmm. have those like I'm I'm semi doing it now where you know you get those moments where you (laughs) feel that ball rolling and you're like this is this is the shit like this is this is what life's all about this is amazing um and that's yeah that's I guess that's something that that I feel like I've learned from doing pods is that people everyone's got that in them and everyone loves that (laughs) everyone loves that moment even if they're kind of sorry kind of um at the start like say a bit nervous or whatever Mm. they then I love that moment when you're in a podcast and it it like clicks and you're like okay this is like this is the good like we're getting to the juicy bits now because they're so excited and, and want to share 
And I think it's made me such a good listener and not just a listener, but like a good question asker as well to mm. other people. I've noticed in, you know, at my personal life when I meet someone new, I'd never be like, not like in a rude way or whatever, but I maybe wouldn't ask specific questions to find out more about someone. It'd kind of just be like, hi, how are you? Like, you know, maybe talking more about me. Whereas now it's like, I just want to like keep, um, keep asking the questions. So... I think we should probably move on to talk about your relapse and what's been going on with you recently. It's quite tough. I don't want to make it about me because it's really not about me. But I think like when you asked me to do this, I was a little, I was a bit scared about this because I feel like I'm going to get upset because we're going to talk about this. And um, yeah, it's been, I think it's been really tough for you and it's been tough watching like Mm -hmm. this, like from, from a distance. So um yeah I guess I, I don't I also don't want to pry too much in case of stuff we don't want to talk about or whatever but um yeah I guess it's up to you how you want to explain yeah. what you think's happened and we can go from there I think just a few things on what you've just said one is firstly like I'm so grateful that you are okay to do this I know it's a big ask um but I genuinely wouldn't want anyone else to I won't want to do it with anybody else so I'm I'm really grateful for that and also you know I'm really grateful for how you've been over the past few months because it is a hard thing to go through and I can appreciate also it's a really hard thing to go through to watch your friend go through it um especially you know we don't live near each other um so we don't really get to see each other like we chat as much as we can um but you know I I think for everybody that has been supporting me through it it's kind of the elephant in the room because we all know it's happening you want to ask how I'm doing but equally like I don't always want to talk about it and I don't want just like the friendship or whatever to just be me saying like yeah I've had a bad day today or whatever um but equally in that sense you know this is why I wanted to do it is not only for me to share like how it's been um but I think there's a lot of people out there and obviously it's totally up to you like how how much you want to say and stuff but so many people out there that are friends and family members that are going through similar things and to be able to you know hear a friend of somebody going through it I think that can be really supportive I literally the other day was speaking to somebody and they were like oh I listened to your podcast and I wonder if I could ask you a few questions because my friend is really ill with an eating disorder and she she said you know I just don't know what to say I'm so worried about saying the right thing or the wrong Mm. thing and um you know, I think often we forget about the impact. I certainly do. I forget about the impact that what I'm doing is having on everybody around me. I'm not in any which way saying that like, it's my fault because it isn't. But, you know, for for everybody to sort of watch, you can't, you can't do anything ultimately. Like you can, with the best will in the world, you know, you can be there, you can check in on people and everything, but you cannot control what I am doing. And, I, and to some degree, I don't feel like I can. So it's, it's really hard to navigate that um so I'm just really grateful that you know my big concern when I first relapsed was when I was 14 I lost all my friends you know nobody understood because I didn't tell anybody I was so unbelievably ashamed of what was happening and I knew this time that and I think you know that is from 12 years of self-development and now working you know, doing the podcast and stuff I, I kind of I'm lucky in a sense because I, I know how to um talk about it but 
you know, for, for example, this Christmas, whenever someone's invited me to something, um, I've said, you know, I am I am going to come, but I'm going through a relapse at the moment. So can I do can I do it my way? But I would have never done that before. So I would have just cancelled and not gone. And in that sense, then that's why I think I lost a lot of friends. because I just stopped going to social events. Whereas I think for me to be able to be so open and to have that space to be like, you know, today's not a good day or like, you know, I don't want to call today because I'm having a really bad day. And I don't actually think that as chatting, I think I'll just feel more sad that I can't engage in that. I think having that open communication has really helped to stabilize and keep those friendships, which I'm I'm so grateful for that everybody has been so supportive. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, yeah, I'm happy to talk about my thoughts and my experiences as we as we go through it. And yeah, I guess I just I want I, I want this to be about for you, and I want this to be something that you get something out of this. Like, I, yeah, I, I guess that that was my initial worry when you first asked me was that this was going to be just a thing of like, oh, well, I've done this thing now, so I'm better. <laughs> and I think yeah. if I'm being honest, um, and I was worried that and this is something maybe yeah that I should talk about and other people experiences. It is scary when someone's going through this because you know you know as as well as I do that when you have this the issues with eating and have an eating disorder you're you're so good at like finding ways around it and so like even even subconsciously you know you'll find ways of working through and finding ways of getting people to do things that'll like help kind of keep things going even if you don't realize you're doing it yeah and I think you'll you get really paranoid that you know I didn't want this to be something that I was I was like helping you kind of like reinstate some of the things that you've yeah. been struggling with or make making things worse or deeper ingraining stuff mm-hmm. um but I do, I do, I do genuinely believe, and I know that the full of beans is helping so many people. And I, I do, I, I want this to help you. And um, so I guess yeah, I just didn't want, I didn't want to make this about me. Um, when I, yeah, I wanted to try and help you, but yeah, it has, it has been tough. Um, if I can you know, talk about that a bit and just, yeah. I think the thing that sticks out in my brain, um, I, yeah, again, I don't know how much you want me to share and stuff, but, um, we had like a phone call a while ago and you told me, that like you didn't want to get better like you felt like you didn't want to get better anymore and that like like yeah was really scary because like i'm gonna cry and um, again i'm making it about me which is fucking no stupid. you're not sorry. Uh, you're but not. no no i know i know but um uh yeah like i just you know the whole time i've known you like you, you've only known me when i've been kind of in this like recovery stage and you've seen me have like ups and downs and stuff but and the whole time I've known you, you've been in this recovery stage and I knew about your past and stuff, but to see how much you you changed and like the, the you to get to this point where you were, so you were at that point where you just didn't want to get better and you felt like you didn't want to get better. But that was really horrible to to listen to. Um, and yeah, but yeah, I guess for people listening, like it is really tough to, to, to deal with that. And I'm with, I'm with you on that. Um, and I think it, it also like, you know, maybe, I was going to say anger, but maybe like frustration is the better word, but like, I'm really frustrated because I, I like, I, you're, you're my best friend. Like I, I'd love you so much. And I, I like, I hate that this, this thing is stopping you from being the person that I know. Um, and that, that like makes me angry. And one of the things I often say to like people who ask me about, you know, how do I approach someone who's struggling with, with the eating disorder is recognizing that one of the worst things you can do is that confrontational and that frustration that comes out and, and, and kind of 
engaging with that. So it's take like one of the best tips I can give is to take a step back. And you know, if you know, if if it is getting to the point where you're starting to feel like frustrated and you want to just say you want to like snap or you want to like you know kick off because I think that's really normal for someone who's talking to someone with it. I know that you know, when I was going through it, I must have annoyed so many people because you know I just again didn't want help and whatever. Um, I think it's yeah really like important that you recognize yourself that you are only human and if you do get frustrated and you can make stuff worse if you do get frustrated and start like not you know not being rational in the way that you're speaking or at least being calm in the way that you're speaking or being honest in the way that you're speaking so i think the emotion can cloud you and you know you can end up saying things that are stupid um but yeah it has been really tough and uh, yeah i, I want to make i want to i want you to talk about your experience as well um so i'm going to stop there but yeah um for people who are listening who are going through it from like the perspective of being the friend or the family member like I, I i get it and yeah the best thing i can best advice i can give is that like don't be afraid to take a step back and also be honest with them you know i think i hope you recognize that i was always honest with you and said when i was scared or when i was mm-hmm. worried or when i was you know or when i needed to take some like a step back or i needed you know needed space or whatever um because the person will understand that as long as you can you know kind of rec- like you know mention to them and make sure they know that um you you're not blaming them for that it's just it's your own like it's me that's that's getting tired or getting frustrated or getting worried it's not you that's doing this to me um it's yeah I think that's that's important yeah I I think the thing that I found the most important that that I know I've already said it's just the communication side of things like you know it is frustrating it is tiring and it is scary to watch somebody go through it but I have this like really distinct thought in my mind so I like often will um especially at the moment I come back to my parents um just because no other reason really that I'm just trying to be with the people that I love um because you know as I said earlier that's what makes me happy but um my mum and dad were fast asleep and um I thought oh great time to get a workout in and so I went downstairs and I did a workout and I actually woke my mum and dad up from doing a workout and my dad apparently said to my mum oh she, she's she's exercising and my mum came downstairs and my mum is um very much she wears her heart on her sleeve like you know when like you've annoyed her or when she's happy or whatever like there's no room for anything else that like, you just need to let her like deload whatever's gone on and, and then um then then other people can talk um and she was just like stropping around the kitchen and I went through and I was like trying to be all like you know ignore the fact that I'd just done a workout and it was all hunky-dory and um I was like mom is everything okay and she was like no I'm just really annoyed and I was like oh okay why and she was like because you did a workout like you know I'm just so annoyed and I was like okay she was like I'm not annoyed at you I'm annoyed at the situation but it's coming across that I'm annoyed at you because like you know you are the one doing it but I know that that's not your fault but I just need to tell you that I'm so frustrated because I can't protect my daughter and that is kind of like my role and it kind of just yeah it made me realize that how important that communication is because my mum and dad could have gone without saying like we were upset that you did a workout but then that would have built a barrier between us and at the end of the day that's what the eating sort of wants the eating sort of wants you to get you alone um and and your mom your mom would have built up some resentment 
for you that yeah. she wouldn't have voiced and then she would have like you know, subconsciously have treated you differently because yeah. she hadn't voiced it to you and then you would have been think overthinking that and so you know her telling you up front I'm frustrated because of this that yeah. immediately lets your brain know okay that's why yeah. she's acting this way yeah exactly and then you can all kind of move on from the situation and work together as well because I then said you know okay this is the reason that I did it and blah 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 and you know I'm not asking you to kind of you know pin me down and not let me do it because I don't think that's beneficial for anybody but um maybe this is how we go forward and this is how we learn from what's just happened and and stuff like that so I think that communication element is so important um but I also think that the honesty element like you said as well um in terms of you know when you're with other people is I think it's a really it's a really hard line to draw and you have to kind of hit it at the right moment but I find sometimes when people say like I'm concerned about you I'm like just piss off like you know there's nothing to be concerned about everything's fine or the eating disorder is like oh they're concerned we're getting some attention Mm -hmm. this is very nice um but then also I don't think I have spoken about this yet um on full of beans but it is something that I'm going to share because I think it's an important thing to reflect because my BMI is quite unquote healthy uh but I'm still having like all the physical symptoms so I will in time share about this well I guess I'm sharing now um but yeah when I had to go to A&E and basically what had been happening is I'd had chest pains for a few weeks and I ignored it because classic kind of person you know struggling with an eating disorder it's like well everything's fine like I'm just going to rise above this like I'm not going to focus on it and um the chest pain had just kind of been getting worse and worse and then I was feeling quite nauseous and I was having like hot sweats at night and stuff and I thought I don't feel like this is right and I rang the doctor because I was like there's no point ringing like 111 or whatever I'm sure everything's fine and they were just like you need to ring an ambulance and I was like what and I stood in my hallway and I was home alone and I was just like, this, this is, this has got bad. Like, I don't, I didn't think that it was this bad. I thought I was invincible. Like I'm functioning. I'm fine. And I had like a, a split second of like, shit, like, what have I done? Um, but it didn't last, it didn't last very long. And I think that's something that interests me so much about the eating disorder is that I literally had to go to A&E. And I had to have blood tests and I had to have an x-ray and I had to have all of these, an ECG. And so I've never had an ECG in my life. Mm. And still it didn't hit me that like this was bad. And I find that I get like these very infrequent waves of sort of, oh, like that's bad. Like I did a podcast um, with Elle Kelly and she was talking about bone density and how every every year that you don't have your period you you lose 2.5 percent of your bone density and that peaks as I know from doing eating disorder masters Mm. at your late 20s and after that you can't get back and it's just I think the reason I'm saying this is I think I've gone off on a bit of a tangent but it's I would just want people to know if you haven't experienced anything sort of how completely invincible you almost feel like Mm. like nothing can nothing can stop me nothing can like I I am like immune to everything like the you know the doctors can tell you this and and the kind of psychologist you're working with can tell you that but 
I think until it actually happens, you just keep on ticking away. And I was actually having that conversation with my mum this morning because aside from the food element, I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything because mm. I am still working. I can still go to the gym. I can still do my scrapbooking. I can still see my friends. You know, I have had, and this is probably part of the issue, <laughs> I've been to more parties over the last few months than I have been to in my whole entire life. And I very much am aware that that is because I'm seeking that high of, you know, I've already said a thousand times how much, how seeing other people makes me happy and seeing my friends. So I'm just waiting for that weekend to come to have a few drinks so that I'm a little bit looser and I get to see my people and I'm super happy and that is better than any antidepressant I've had. And, you know, mm. I think that's why it's so scary is because I'm still able to do all of that stuff. And so I don't currently feel like I'm missing out on anything. And I think it was in the podcast I did with Rory Brown, he said the reason people struggle so much in recovery is because they don't know what they're recovering for. And that's 100% mm. where I'm at at the moment because because everybody has been so supportive and so lovely that on one side has been amazing and wonderful but it's also well the people that I love are still here so why don't yeah, I was I was gonna say when you you mentioned um feeling invincible because to me it wasn't that I felt like I can I can I think people also t talk about it as if feeling invincible but I don't think it was that for me at least it was more that uh, the the goal of what I was trying to achieve through my eating disorder, nothing else mattered more than that. So mm. the things that would would harm me potentially from it didn't matter. It wasn't that I felt like I was invulnerable to them. It just didn't matter as much as the goal of of what my eating disorder was trying to achieve. So it like I guess if someone said to me like, do you think you could survive? like this this happening to you or that happening to you or these bodily functions happening to you or like do you think they're good things i'd be able to say like well obviously they're not obviously they're really bad obviously they're gonna like fuck me up in the future or they're gonna mess me up whatever um but they're not as important as what my actual goal was and i wonder if that you resonate with that or is it is it different to you i think there's an element of that definitely yeah there's definitely an element of that but i think it is that i i think partly because I've been ill before and I know where I got to before and I still was fine I mean I wasn't fine um but I'm like well I'm not there yet so you know yeah I don't know I don't think it's that the, the goal definitely but I don't even have a goal that's the thing like this is like something that I've always found in in whatever element of my life I never have a goal I just like do something because it feels like the right thing to do in that moment and I've said this so many times on the podcast recently but like I'm everyone always says I'll live in the moment and I completely am living in the moment at the moment I'm living in the wrong moment like I'm not living in the moment mm -hmm. and embracing life I'm just living in the moment of like um monotonous groundhog day like not being able to see how my behavior today affects me in the future and I keep it like drilling that into me like you know, every small thing that you do right now is impacting your future and I actually um started therapy on Tuesday um and you know I was explaining the situation and everything and the therapist was like you know I am really concerned about you but equally I'm, I'm very concerned 
um, but you are just deteriorating. So, you know, let's nip this in the bud now because it's going to be hard to get out of this now. But if you carry on, it's going to be even harder. And I think that's the thing that I'm maybe slightly awakening to is that the longer this goes on, the harder it's... Because I, as I said, I'm very much just functioning at the moment. Like I'm, I look to the outside, I mean, maybe not to the outsider because I think people can tell that there's, there's something wrong, but life is not falling apart. Life is mm-hmm. kind of remaining okay. Um, but I think, you know, I don't know how long it's going to be or how bad it sort of has to get before I think, hmm. But that's the issue, I think, from people that I've seen that do get really, really, really poorly, you then can't see that there's an issue. You're you're so like encapsulated by the eating disorder. Mm. Um I'm sort of having a realization as we talk through this. So yeah. Yeah, I think that yeah. That's it, isn't it? Is it's you know, people you can't is the classic thing people say you can't help people who don't want the help mm. um and you it's i think it's getting to the point where you can have that recognition of of like i don't it's not necessarily that you don't want to get help because i know you've, you're obviously seeking treatment and well I, I guess i i always i wonder if if you're doing that because you know that's what you're supposed to do or if you're doing it because it's what you want to do <laughs> and i feel partly you're smiling as i'm as i'm saying that <laughs> and i think i think partly you're, you're doing it because you think that's what you're supposed to do which is still great because it's great that you're, yeah. you're doing it because you need because yeah i agree that you should do it you're supposed to do it um but maybe yeah, i think yeah at some point um that'll click and you'll realize oh this is actually something that you want and, and maybe that comes from when you know when you do well, what do you what do you think? Where do you think that'll come from? Where do you think that do you do you have an idea of when that'll happen, or has it happened, or is it happening? Do you think, or yeah, where are you at at the moment with that? I mean, I think you're totally right in the fact that I'm doing it because I it's kind of what you're supposed to do. Um, mm. I also think you know if I turned around to my mum and said oh, I'm not going to do that, like we we shook on it that I would find a therapist that I wanted to work with and I would. And so I think I would moment, also I would also kick off if you said you weren't. So. Oh, <laughs> well, you, I wouldn't kick off, but you know, <laughs> like you, Ben, and my parents. I, I'm not I'm not up for that side. <laughs> um, but I mean, even the therapist said the other day, like you are very externally motivated at the moment. So mm-hmm. rather than thinking that that's a bad thing because you've not got that internal motivation, just like you know, thrive on that external motivation. Um. And I think sometimes you do, you've just got to use what you've got right now. Like, you know, at the end of the day, I am going to, not going to lie to you, I know it made you upset, but I currently don't want to get better still. Like nothing has changed there. Like I don't think that, I think at the start of this, I was more depressed than I am now. Um, I'm, I, I genuinely do feel happy. I just feel disconnected I think which is really strange because I am seeing so many people and enjoying the company of so many people but I do feel disconnected from people and you know people will be having conversations with me and I'm like oh when is this going to be over like when I can when can I go back to being in my own little hole and and that's definitely something that I think is a motivation because I am a very sociable person and then you know I went on for ages earlier about how much I love being with other people but I don't think, and I think this is one really important thing that people maybe 
um, have the wrong perspective on. I don't think that there will be one thing that happens. And I think, mm. praise the Lord, recoveries ago. Like, let's dive on in and let's go. Like, ultimately, it's just got to happen. Like, it, it can't, you can't, I know very well that I can't carry on like this. That there's just, you know, I've started to notice my memories go in, my balance is going, like my work is not maybe as good as it should be because I just can't concentrate. I'm freaking cold. I know we're all cold, but like I'm so cold. So whenever I'm talking to somebody, I'm like, I can't really listen to you because right now I'm just really trying to stay warm. Um, mm. And but that's, I know that that, you know, that can't, can't carry on like that and it, it, I don't want it to carry on like that but I think rather than thinking I'm gonna have this big breakthrough where I'm like I'm doing recovery and then every day I wake up and I bounce out of bed and I go downstairs and eat my breakfast and I'm all happy it's gonna be horrific like let's be real um but you have to want to put yourself in that horrific position and then the more days that go by that I don't do that I think this is one thing I've definitely noticed and my mum commented on it actually earlier. Um, there seems to be a slight glimmer of Hannah coming through, like the true Hannah that's like all happy, bubbly, the one that, you know, we all love. Um, and I've had moments where I'm like going to do a workout. I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this. I'm doing it anyway at the moment. But that pause is really it, it really feels like something and before I go to like eat something I'm like am I making the right decision here and I have been going along down the line of the eating disorder but the fact that I'm having that kind of just an inkling of, uh, of mm. a slight thought I'm thinking that is quite positive and yeah. like actually I know this sounds really well it's not silly in the slightest but um the other day my friend texts me he lives two doors down so um it's very handy for having like your two of your best friends very mm. close by and he texts me he's like have you seen snow and I was like in bed like oh I'm not getting out of bed right now and I thought no I'm gonna get out of bed and I'm gonna go and look at the snow and I went and looked at the snow and then I was like oh my god it's literally like like it was so heavy I've never seen I've not seen snow like that since I've lived in Cambridge and I was like I'm going to go outside and dance in the snow. And I went out and I spun round and like, I took a video of myself. My smile is bigger than my face. And just little moments like that. I know that life is not like that all the time. And that's definitely something that I was aiming for before was to like be constantly that happy. And that's just not, that's just not, not how life is. But little moments like that, I've not had that sort of like happiness without the aid of alcohol or without alcohol or without other people for months um and also when I say alcohol like um, I mean like having a few drinks at a party to like loosen up yeah. but I still yeah. think it's a reliance on it and I think that is like an issue that I need to face as well um but with other, without other people as well I was just in my garden dancing in the snow like playing around and I thought yeah this is this is sort of where I, I could be like I could have mm. this a lot more if I didn't have the eating disorder sort of strangulating. Yeah, I really, I, I agree with you in that. Uh, 
yeah especially yeah when you, so you mentioned before about the kind of moment of when you're going to recover and and i think that that's the that's the tough thing and i think that's where this comes from when people talk about moments all the time is because we experience life in moments like as mm. you know as we go as we are going through it you know every time i say a word is a moment for me and a moment for you um but then when we look at things with perspective, we can see them as as your know, path or as a as a kind of spectrum yeah. of events that happen over and over again. So you know, in that sense, you do have moments where you choose something, or that you have this moment of like, oh, I'm going to be recovered, and I'm going to go yeah. for recovery, and I'm going to be this. But then you also have a moment immediately after where you don't, or a, a moment immediately after that where you choose somewhere else. You choose the eating disorder option, or a moment after that where you then regret that, or a moment where you know, and all these moments exist separately. So you do have those moments, but it's yeah, I guess the the full picture is that actually they exist on that kind of spectrum that goes up and down. And mm -hmm. the, I, you know, I would argue that the fact that you're, you're starting to question things, or you're starting to have those thoughts and you're starting to go out and dance in the snow and you're starting to do stuff like that. That's you're, you're, you're moving across that spectrum maybe more so than what you would have done in the past. And that's brilliant. And you know, the, the, the problem is that you're maybe still having, I don't know, 80 to 90% of, of moments that you're experiencing as time goes yeah. by where you feel like you're not, um, but within that kind of spectrum that you're experiencing, you're maybe still at least being tipped a little bit more in that recovery mm -hmm. direction, hopefully. Um, at least I, I hope so. Um, so, yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess that's what I was thinking about when you were saying that is, like, it sounds like you are having those moments, but it's just, yeah, that I suppose it's the way we look at them, isn't it, that's, mm -hmm. that makes the difference, the way, the kind of angle we take on that um so yeah I guess like yeah I guess for for me that's like a they sound that sounds like a positive turn mm. on things even if you'd still experience all those kind of negative moments that come come along with it yeah and I think that it just makes me think about like how scary having an eating disorder and the whole recovery thing is and also like the relapse process um but it's all just I think it's so easy I mean often like I'm like oh I've just got my head above water that everything's fine and I, I don't kind of recognize the scariness of it um and like when I first noticed that I was sort of relapsing it was such a weird situation because it, I was very much of the opinion that I could dip my toe in and nothing bad would happen because I'd you know over the years when I've I'd, I'd say been in like quasi recovery and stuff I've very much like had a difficult time dip my toe in for a day and then been like screw that like mm. this this hunger is awful and so actually to realize that I wasn't having those thoughts and that this is gonna sound really bad but that it was working mm. was really like looking back on it now is quite scary but I think also like it's that you don't recognize how bad things are getting it's just kind of it's it goes back to what we were saying before of like you know when you've got like people saying they're concerned and stuff and you're just like well you know there, there's nothing to be worried about yet and it's just that constant like yeah 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 but for the eating sort of nothing is ever enough mm. um and you're just constantly you know one behavior becomes bigger or longer or whatever and then another behavior comes and it's never enough and it's sort of when mm. when will it be enough but then in the same aspect, so that's that's like a really scary element of it, of like, 
you know, being in it right now is scary. But equally, what you were saying about like, you know, you have that moment where you think, yeah, power to me, I'm going to recover. And then like 30 seconds later, you're like, oh my God, I don't want to do that. That's it. Like, mm. blah, blah, blah. Um, and that's part of, the, part of the problem with that, like you know, how things can kind of get caught away from you again comes from existing in moments because mm. you know, th- th- this, the your next moment might be only 3% like more eating disordery than the previous one yeah. so you think well that's not like it's only a little bit i'm only making yeah. one one choice where you know but then if you look at it over the months then suddenly you notice this like kind of this massive change but for you it's just always been well i'm only doing like one percent more than what yeah i was doing before so that's nothing and yeah yeah like if we just cut back that slightly or if we just do a little bit more of that, like it's it's so tiny that in the moment, like you're saying, you don't you don't recognize it. But mm. as I'm saying that, I'm sort of thinking like, because I was thinking this the other day when I talk about how like the things that you you do right now, and I was actually I think I said this on a podcast, like having butter on a sandwich, it it's not like a massive thing, but it will have a massive impact. And then I was like, hold up, that would be a massive thing for you. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, that is a big thing. But like, rather than, I'm having a bit of a... Uh, epiphany. 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 at the same time again. Thank God there's no <laughs> delay. Um, yeah, rather than thinking, okay, so tomorrow I'm going to have you know, the biggest breakfast I've had for months, the biggest lunch, the biggest snacks, the biggest dinner, I'm going to be on my track to recovery. Just do a small step. Like, you know, in the same way that you brought it down, take it back up rather mm. than thinking, okay, you know, I'm currently in the depths of this. So tomorrow I need to, you know, eat a whole tub of Ben and Jerry's, um, which might be something I would enjoy, might be not be. Um but it doesn't have to be that that drastic. Like I can give myself time, but I think it's that it's that all or nothing nature of the eating disorder. In that I either have to be in the place I'm in now, or I have to be recovered. But mm. actually, you can take it at your own pace, and I guess taking it at your own pace also is less overwhelming because it's not sort of that drastic change that you're probably not going to stick to because it feels really uncomfortable. But if you could maybe. You have a have a little bit more, do a little bit less. Yeah. Which I I distinctly remember actually you once saying to me, cut your workout down by a minute or 30 seconds or something, just so that you're doing like a tiny little thing. And I remember at the time thinking, George, like as much as I love you, that's just ridiculous because like I just need to not be working out. And I actually recently have been ending things slightly sooner. And it feels so horrific. Like I didn't realize it would feel so bad, but then I've been practicing like box breathing. And then I've been like thinking of the pros and cons of what me stopping versus me carrying on. Even sometimes for like five seconds, I'll end it before. Um, And I think it's what I've realized now is it's not about like the like drastic thing that you change is how you respond to when you do something that puts you in an uncomfortable position something that makes you anxious because then when you are in a situation where there is something that's really like oh my god this feels completely out of my comfort zone you've already got those tools in your back pocket to be like mm-hmm. okay so this is awful right now but come on just take two seconds do some box breathing think about the pros and cons of you being in this situation and you've already prepared yourself rather than just being like 
I don't know how to handle things like this. Yeah, and uh, uh, it's funny because I was going to bring that up the, the the whole exercise thing as well. So, um, but yeah, I, I think again, it's maybe a good kind of thing for people listening to to hear. I think uh, you know when when we we want to make a change, like you say, we always want to kind of go all all or nothing and kind of dive straight into what what it is we want to achieve. But uh, ev- especially when it comes down to fear and kind of worry about making that change, especially with like eating disordery stuff, every thing that you want to do can be kind of infinitely reduced down to a simpler and simpler or like an easier and easier task and that's what I was saying to you about the the workout where at first you know you were talking about you were doing x amount of workouts x amount of time and I said well could you take like five minutes off that and you didn't feel okay with that I was like what about one minute what about 30 seconds what about 10 seconds or what about what about three so like even you know, it could go to the point where and that seems like like you're understandably ridiculous because it's like well that's not going to make any difference but but making that that slight difference you know, the the way that feels is the same like it's almost the same like kind of mechanism at least you know I do nothing about like neuroscience or anything but you know, it's that same like pathway isn't it of mm. of making a change as if it would be if it's a huge one obviously it feels like it feels yeah. less daunting but it's the same thing so then it's I feel like it then makes you think okay so I changed that and like nothing terrible happened so maybe I could take another second off and then you know and then and eventually you'll hit that wall where you'll start to think oh that's too many now but maybe you'll feel a bit more confident to then take that yeah. that next step and it's something I, I used to do for my anxiety all the time when I was like first uh, speaking with my my counsellor which would be you know if I was too I used to get really anxious about if I'd been like binge eating for a lot um I used to get really anxious to go to the gym or like or like see friends or something and he would say well how about like you just like walk into the gym or like you just oh, and then I was like I can't do that and he's like how about you just walk to the gym and then go home or like well like why don't you just like get out of bed and get dressed as if you're going to go to the gym <laughs> and then and then get back in bed and I used to do stupid stuff like that where I'd just get dressed and then get back in bed. But it may again, it adds up over time and exactly. um yeah, it makes an impact. I think that's that's the like the thing that I've really just realized since we've been talking is like it's not about doing maybe the whole thing right now, but if you can do like a small bit like you said, get out of bed, get dressed. Because then you know that you can then get out of bed and get dressed. So then when you try again, you're like, okay, now I'm going to get out of bed, get dressed, I'm going to go downstairs. And then you build on it gradually. You're kind of building your tolerance to that uncomfortable Mm. feeling so that then you can get to the point where you can get out of bed, get dressed, go downstairs, have your breakfast, go walk to the gym, go into the gym, do your workout Mm. and leave and, and not even think about it for a second. But I find it so interesting how like, I didn't have any qualms about when I was in the relapse one and then the relapse, but like when things started going down, I didn't have any qualms about reducing things, you know, certain things or making certain things longer. But now, but that's because you constantly were getting that reward from the eating disorder of like, well mm-hmm. done, well done, well done, well done. But there's no well done anymore. Like it's, you're, you're literally doing it. Well, I'm literally doing everything now just to kind of, stop that voice um and then when I do something wrong that's when the voice heightens and that's what I was going to say about earlier was like I think that's the reason why so many people get scared of recovering I know why that's why I'm so terrified of actually engaging in it is that I have done this before 
I know how horrifically hard recovery is and I think it's great when people share on social media about their recovery and their recovery wins and stuff but you only see like it's like a, it's the highlight reel isn't it it's the you only see the good parts of it like oh I went out the cake with my friends and I had a great time but I mean yeah that might have happened but also like what about and you know you might not have had any of this but what about like the anxiety for two weeks leading up to it because you knew you planned it and then what about the mm. feelings of guilt and, and shame afterwards and like they're so strong and powerful and I know that is literally the reason I'm like oh, I don't really know like if, if it's worth it because that feels so hard and mm. I don't want to be crying over my dinner every night I don't want to put anyone through that and like I know that I'm putting people through a lot at the moment because everybody is worried and, and concerned and I don't want that. But equally, like, that day-to-day... It's like I'm currently in a day-to-day slog of the eating disorder and, you know, yeah, I could go into the recovery slog and actually it could work out. But because I've only got so far before and now I'm back here, that internal motivation to, like, do it and do it fully because I know as well that the first bit is not easy, but the first bit is fine. Or not fine, but like you. Okay, I'm, I'm just gonna say what I'm thinking because that's what I have. Mm. I have weight that I need to gain. So that first bit, you're like, okay, well, I'm gaining weight. This feels very horrible, but like I need this. When you get to the point where, you know, you're you don't necessarily need to gain that weight anymore but you've still got to have all the things that you've been having because you've regained the weight but you haven't changed the way that you're thinking about mentally that is just like I remember being like the most horrific situation I've ever been in and yes this eating sort of shit but like it's that's what's holding me back um Mm. And like, I hope that, you know, people listening to this aren't going to be like, oh, Hannah, I can't believe you said that. But I just want to be real because I think it's, it's genuinely scary. And I know that I've got so many people now through doing Full of Beans that are fully recovered and their lives are beautiful. And, you know, they'll post pictures and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe that you're doing that. Like you used to have an eating disorder and, and stuff like that. And I know that it will be worth it 100%. But also going back to what we were saying about moments, like being in that literal moment when you're not recovered was hard mm. yeah it kind of it, but you're you talking about that it kind of makes me think of like it's like the classic like story isn't it of you know, like any kind of like fairy tale story of anything of this person who you know they live in this horrible like dreary town or whatever and there's a like your riches or some kind of you know amazingness that's guarded by this horrible thing and you could choose to stay in the town because the town's all right nothing you know you're not dying or like there's no like horrible monster like attacking you or anything or you could all go out and try and face the horror have that horrible moment of facing a monster but then you get all this amazing stuff after it's so much better and so many of those people in that story will say oh you know i might as well stay here because you know at least i'm not getting a you having to fight that monster because that would be shit. Um, but then one person goes and does it, and then everyone you know benefits from it. And I guess it kind of it always reminds me. Like I was thinking of that as you were explaining it. Like yeah. it's kind of like that, isn't it? It's your your option is you can exist in this like dreary town, and you're you're you know you feel alright, so you could. 
but or your other option is you could have this thing that you see as rec- you can see it in recovery as you said you see other people experiencing it and and having a great time and 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 you've had a taste of it i suppose as well but you've got that like horrible monster you gotta fight and and that's yeah, scary. This. i remember <laughs> the the last time that i went through recovery um my i worked with a school counsellor and we made the situation into Harry Potter um <sighs> so I was Harry Potter and the eating disorder was Voldemort and then mm. all the people in my life at the time I, I gave a character so like my two best friends at the time were Ron and Hermione and then it, like we worked it all out and so it, that was really good actually because then when I was struggling I could be like Voldemort blah blah blah, blah. Mm. um and as I'm such a big Disney fan and such a, a big princess fan, I'm thinking that this might be a really good exercise for me to actually sit down and like visualize it properly. And with your D&D skills, I feel like we could literally like, have <laughs> such a... Oh my God, we could do, I could DM a session where we go and fight your eating disorder. <laughs> and then we win. And I, but I was just thinking about how like, I literally had it in my mind of this, like, you know, the dragon on Shrek like I had yeah. like that sort of vibes as the monster um and I can just see us in like this like pretty shitty town um and then we've all got like pitchforks and like uh torches and stuff and we've got our hoods up and we're like going up this massive um hill or whatever to the castle and this actually fits in really well when I was doing my EMDR I had this um like moment where I saw I was walking down this really dark alley and I was being led down this alley by some person. I think it was a man in a black cloak. I I couldn't see them, but I had chains on my feet. And down the other side of the alley were my mum and dad. And there was a door that through the door, there was just this bright field, like bright green grass with like pink, yellow, very full of beans flowers. Let's just say that. Um, And I could either go with, this person that was holding me in chains or I could go with my mum and dad down towards the flowers and I had to literally force myself to like go down into the flowers so I'm like visualizing you know how they do on like Disney where everything's like really dark on one side and then there's like this mystical like sheath and then beyond there it's like this rainbow land of like glitter and sparkle and everything but I've got everybody that I need to do this like with me with the pitchforks as we like march up this path and like there's going to be shit along along the way that's going to be really hard to to deal with and to navigate but because everyone's there supporting me and I'm leading it at the front like we're going to get up there slay that dragon and then it's going to all be like (laughs) this is making me like emotional I'm like like, (laughs) picturing this scene of like you you in in like armor going yes. to fight and then we're all still behind you like go on Anna yeah and yeah I'm like crying thinking of it but, yeah. <laughs> this is also like this is like um what's that psychology Carl Jung this is like Carl Jung's like dream but this is, he used to he yeah I've, I've been reading some of his work recently and he talks so much about like these stories and stuff but um but yeah, yeah, there's it's yeah. I, I was getting emotional just listening to you speak about that and like picturing yeah, like you know, that's what it is, isn't it? You know, it's yeah. We're we're there to fight it with you, and you know that's that's why we're there. Um, yeah, I really like that, and yeah, and I love your the the fact 
and it's linked to your Harry Potter thing as well. Because yeah, yeah. Harry, I mean, so it's Harry, Harry could have gone back and lived with the Muggles and let Voldemort yeah. do his thing, and, and Voldemort exactly. would eventually come and and still got to Harry. Um, but you know, instead Harry decided to to fight, and yeah, so yeah, it's a nice metaphor. I think it's yeah, it's just such a good metaphor for it all because, like you said, you can. If I want to, I can just stay here. Do you want that? Like, do you want to live in that dreary town? Or do you want to live in, like, I'm literally picturing, oh, my God, you know Wreck-It Ralph when... Yeah. Wreck-It Ralph 2, like, when the little girl, I can't remember her name, and she goes to, like, do a race, and there's just, like, sweets everywhere, and it's all, like, rainbow mm. colours and everything. Like, that's the land that I'm envisioning. Um, But also, one thing that I want to say is, whilst this is all totally brilliant and I don't want to be negative, is that, like, I... I have a very and I'm so aware of this I have a tendency of like talking about it all the time um and I was actually listening to another podcast the other day that was like eating disorder related and I was like oh my god this is so good listening to a podcast and like um you know getting other people's insight and stuff and then I finished the podcast and I was like now I have to actually do something about it like mm. I can't just you can't just listen to it you can't just talk about it you can't just like keep dreaming of it like you have to actually do something in order for yeah. it to change and I think that's the that's the hardest part um you know I spent years before like drawing pictures of me like you know fighting with Voldemort and I was literally just going to say to you like let's create a D&D world and we can go on D&D and we can create all these characters but that is literally just procrastination for what we actually what I actually need to do I also want to add just whilst you're thinking about that if you like people listening you can you can stay in it but i think i guess a really key part of all those those stories that we're talking about as well is you know so the person could stay in the dreary town or harry could go and live with the muggles but that that dragon in this in the dreary would eventually come and attack the dreary town yeah and yeah. Would, and and voldemort would eventually come and attack harry either way Absolutely. it's not like you're completely safe forever and, and that doesn't no. necessarily mean that you know for some people it's deteriorating to the point where you know you are getting you're really really like physically unwell and for some but some people it's also just you know men, mental health wise you just yeah. get to the point where you for me i got to the point where i was suicidal because i just refused to make those 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 steps yeah. and you know and i'm not I'm not saying it, it's just uh, people refusing to do things i know it's much more difficult than that i've been through it but um yeah you can stay there but it's also like it's not risk-free <laughs> as no, well absolutely. i just want to make sure that that's basically thinking the same thing as you can but realistically think about like the impact that that's going to have because it's not going to be a happy life it's not going to be a fulfilled mm. life and it, it will probably be you know a very scary and a very miserable life and uh, you know you are just a drop in the ocean at the end of the day there is a whole world out there to see mm. your eating disorder makes everything so small because that's the way that it keeps you in it it stops you thinking about the bigger picture and all those things you could be doing because it gives you that you know one two goals whatever it is and that's your kind of aim that's all you've got to focus on so you don't have to think about the bigger picture I definitely know at the moment like I just stopped listening to the news I've, I've stopped mm. caring about like bills and stuff like that. Fortunately, like, you know, I'm not the only person that lives in my house, but because of the eating disorder, like I don't care about anything going on external from what's happening, but I don't want to live a life like that. You know, I want to engage in everything. I want to go out and I want to, you know, see the world and, and achieve, you know, different things, you know, whatever they are, I don't know, but I don't just want my achievement to be, that I succeeded at my eating disorder and ultimately you never are going to 
Um, but what I was going to say, so number one that I've determined from this conversation is that you don't have to do everything today and it can be small steps. But even if it's a tiny little, you know, just a toe wiggle, not even a step, that's better than staying where you are or you know, ultimately going backwards. Um, and then the other thing is that talking about it thinking about it reading about it whatever is brilliant but you have to actually do something about it so yes I am going to finish us there because we've been talking for a while I know I also think I'm a bit exhausted now after that but thank you so incredibly much like I can't I actually can't put into words how I didn't know what I was really expecting from this I just knew that it was kind of something I wanted to do um, I didn't really know why, but yeah, I'm so grateful for you and for doing this with me. Um, and I think it's just, you know, I was saying earlier about like, oh, when people tell me they're concerned or whatever, like sometimes it's buzzes beating to sodder and sometimes this is going to sound really stupid because like we, me and you, I think are both quite gushy with our words that we tell each other that we're each other's best friends all the time, which maybe other people aren't like, oh my God, you're my best friend, like like the five-year-old. Um, but the eating sort of just made me think, like when you said that, I was like, I didn't really think about um, one, how it was impacting George or two, that you would be impacted in that way. So that kind of made me upset that I wasn't thinking about that. And then uh, that's made me think, well, you know you're not going to be the only person like that and I'm gonna just take those external motivating factors at the moment because that's what I've got and think I don't want I don't want my friends to be you know oh, I'm a bit worried about Hannah I'm gonna check in with her I want them to be like Hannah is freaking bossing the world right now I wonder what she's up to today I wonder what mad things she's done what groundbreaking things she's done rather than oh is she all right Hmm. and i think it's a combination of, of both a, a lot of the time as well yeah. but yeah we don't yeah. we don't need that all or nothing kind of come on like yeah. you, can, <laughs> you can be checked in on and be doing groundbreaking things yeah and i would i'll always i'll always check in on you but yeah it has definitely impacted me um and yeah i think it, it does um but yeah i just i just want you to be what I know you can be and, and I just think I think I've seen so many so much like happiness from you um for how long I've, I've known you and just I don't see as much of that at the moment yeah. and yeah I don't like that so yeah but thank you so much for for I guess yeah asking me to to do this and I don't know it's 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 really weird because like I, I I feel like I'm putting on this like podcast version of myself because I'm trying to be more articulate than I might always be um so i'm going to try and just be george rather than like be podcast george and just say that yeah, yeah like i've I, I i've enjoyed doing this and and i i really care for you and i, I just i really hope that this has helped and i just don't yeah. want this to be like i know you said before you'd sometimes just say the thing and then don't do it and it's fine to not do it straight after this and it's fine not to do it for the next month or week or whatever but like mm-hmm. You know, I just yeah, I'm still here for you despite us doing this, and this isn't just no, like yeah. a we've ticked this off. Um, She's done. She's yeah. sorted. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just yeah, 
I'm glad I'm glad I could help with this, and I hope it's helped other people. I, I imagine it will. And I, I did, yeah, I, I, similar to you, I didn't really know what I was expecting from this. So, um, but I do feel like we said some great stuff for people listening who can take some stuff from it. And yeah, I'm just glad that it's helped you and you've taken some stuff from it as well. And yeah, I'm here for you moving forward as well. So, yeah. Thank you. If you enjoyed listening today, you won't want to miss next week's episode. So be sure to subscribe. Eating disorders are crippling illnesses, but with the right support, they can be recovered from. We really hope you enjoyed this episode, but if you require more support right now, please look into charities such as First Steps and Beat for support or talk to someone you trust.